For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, August 15th, 2020. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... It's, it's a late rally on Wall Street... ...too big to fail... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome... Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on radio. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie. Yes, sir. Glad All the to be way back. from Paulding County. All the way. You've, uh, right. you've uh, made it, uh, Paulding County at least, has made it to the national news with their, uh, their school. Yeah. Yeah, been quite a bit going on out there, but you know, with five kids in the house after five months of being stuck in the house, it's I was, time to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was torn about it, but at the end of the day, you know, it's <laughs> not education, too torn. right? Yeah, you know, there, there's, there's uh, you gotta take the good with the bad. <laughs> yeah, even if it might be an education in how to survive mm-hmm. from COVID-19. Yeah. So either, either you know, the, the virus will get you or I'm going to get you. There, so you there take your pick. You <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll be more prolonged <laughs> if I do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, we also have Jennifer Thomas. Jennifer Thomas is joining us Good morning. Hey, Jennifer. Uh, she's uh, she's doing her part to, to keep the virus at bay and, uh, you know, I mm-hmm. guess... Allowing She's us to be a little more spread out here. Yeah, no so. doubt. Um, yeah, the studio's a little um, closed for comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yep. uh, we love you too. <laughs> uh, well, the uh, the market has uh, has been seemingly unhindered as we look over the last five days. The market is up point eight six percent. Industrials have done quite well in the last few days, uh, up 4.65. Financials have risen from what has been kind of a a sluggish year, uh, up 3.35. And energy is even up 2.23% on the week. Uh, Far end, who would have guessed technology down 1.2%? What's happening? Jared, I thought that worked every time. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's finally starting to cool off a little bit after just this ridiculous run it's been on yeah after that precipitous decline over the last five days it's only up year to date 25.48 percent technology is not going to cover off the ball Mm -hmm. from that measure yeah uh the market overall is positive we're up uh, five and three quarter percent so 5.74 uh consumer discretionaries are up 21.36 energy as i mentioned um, rallied on the week uh, up 2.23, but it's still down for the year 35.34%. Ouch. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a kick in the shorts. And if you look a little more granular in energy, which I do um, more often than I care to recall lately, 
uh, it's the drillers and equipment uh, providers for uh, for uh, actually drilling that mm-hmm. uh, that have suffered the most within the energy sector. So uh, um, it seems like the refiners are coming back online a little stronger. And, uh, you know, I think most of what we saw last quarter where we saw really it's just been in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. where earnings were reported. They were saying uh, second quarter, second fiscal quarter, 2020, uh Capacity utilization about seventy five percent. They're expecting it to get maybe to eighty or eighty five in the third quarter, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of that depends on whether or not we get traffic back and everything else. And I know a couple of weeks ago we had Roger Tuttle on here, and one of the things he said, I mean, if you really want to try to see the silver lining in this cloud, yeah. at least you're not sitting on two eighty five for an hour and a half a day. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it has certainly helped the traffic situation. Yeah. Here no in doubt. Atlanta. Uh looking at the twelve month returns, um S P five hundred is up seventeen point six five percent in the last twelve months. That is hard to believe. Technology's only up forty six percent as about a to say. as a sector by the itself. S&P, if by the S and P you mean a few companies. Yeah, well, then, it's, yeah, it's, I can being driven, it's being <laughs> driven without a doubt Yeah, by many large companies. Now, you know, we talk about uh, various indices that we measure the market by. Um, it, it seems more reasonable to measure uh, market returns by the S&P 500 because it is about, uh, you know, these are market cap weighted mm-hmm. index. Right. Whereas the Dow is a price weighted index. So, uh, basically, the Dow would be the equivalent of buying one of each of 30 individual companies. And, yes, mm-hmm. it's only 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one with the biggest price would have the biggest weight in the index. Right. In this case, it's more of an economic measure where uh, the S&P 500 uh, weights their portfolio of 500 companies. Uh, they are the largest, most liquid companies, but uh, they, they tend to... Um, uh, show a bit more of an economic impact because it's the biggest companies having the most weight. So, yeah. you know, companies like Amazon or Apple, it's over a trillion dollars mm-hmm. in market cap, um, you know, have the biggest impact. And when they do well. Yeah. Well, and that's what I keep, I've had to tell a lot of clients lately. you got to understand that as they, being as large as they are and doing as well as they have, as as they continue to do that, they're becoming a larger part of that index. Right. And so, you know, it's driving it even or accelerating it even more with what right. the S&P is doing. But you got to understand there's there's downside to that, you know, in just the opposite direction of those. If those companies happen to suffer more when we do see uh, maybe an extended downturn, well, then that's going to be more heavily uh, impactful to the index because you've got a larger portion of it now that, you know, there's no rebalancing in the S&P, right? I mean, that just is happening as it yeah. happens, whereas in your portfolio, while you might be happy you've got an overweighting to Apple right now, you know, that that may be excessive. And so for most part, you want to rebalance and bring things back in line. And Time to rebalance. Yeah, it's it's becoming very misleading to the public, I think, that that's because people do see that as a broad index that's doing you know fairly well, but in in reality, it's not quite what it seems. Yeah, uh, Jennifer, you uh, shared with us a story about someone very close to you, who uh, you yes. finally talked into rebalancing in the, you know mm-hmm. like at back the at end the first of last of the year. year. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, um, how how someone that go? who is a, a close relative of mine that has a substantial amount of Apple stock, more than you would recommend. You know, we say that you we 
preferred, we never want you to have more than 10% of one stock in your portfolio, and we prefer it not to be more than 5%. Well, I would venture to say it was probably 90% of this person's portfolio. <laughs> yeah, that's no portfolio. And, uh, that's what you call an overweight. <laughs> right. Now, believe me, it, it's done really, really well. Right. But I looked at it, you know, when I'm looking at it from what it did, and I was just going to ask you what your opinion of Apple is, because based on what it did last year, and you probably know the numbers better than I do, but, I mean, it, it closed around $300 a share last year, which was, about, it was up about a hundred dollars a share. Right. Yeah. About eighty percent over the year. Right. Yeah. And so I was, I you know, told this person in my family, you need to get out of, you know, sell, if you're not willing to, you know, cut it back to where it should be, sell twenty five percent. Sure. Sell twenty five percent at the end of the year. Sell twenty five percent at the beginning of the year. Take that gain off the table, you know, and spread it over two tax years. And then we can talk about it at the, you know, beginning of next year. Well, now here we are, and, uh, you know, I, what I shared with you is I'm looking pretty dumb right now because <laughs> it's at 450 dollars a share. Right, yeah. Well, uh, you know, and, and they're about to have a, a four-for-one four split, for one split. Mm-hmm. right? There's There's a lot going on with the company. And, you know, it's technology that hasn't they've hardly blinked with operations as uh, as we've closed down for COVID-19. And, uh, you know, they have earnings, although if you look at earnings and, you know, we're getting toward the end of earnings season for the second quarter, the technology sector by itself has growth of 0.41%, mm-hmm. while technology is up over 25. I mean, yeah, it, it's hard to justify. Now, the yeah. overall S&P 500 has lost 9.3% in earnings relative to second quarter of 2019. So this is all relative to same quarter previous year. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's still, you know, does that justify being up 25%? No, there, there's got to be a reckoning at some point. I mean, we're not, I'm not comparing it directly to the dot-com era, but this is the, a very similar thing that we were seeing then is that you have this unjustified spread between what the stock price is doing and what the earnings are doing, right. and it just keeps getting I, worse and worse. Yeah. I can tell you exactly why it is up, just okay. so you know. It's right. because I recommended <laughs> my, my relative. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. always how it goes. The, the market so, is often called the great humiliator, and uh, you got bit most recently. Yeah. Uh, hey, Everyone it happens to me all the time, Jennifer. Yeah. You can thank me. There you go. Uh, well, I will say that we still recommend Apple stocks. Yeah. Uh, Apple stock to our clients. It's a great company. They do uh, provide us with uh, items that we absolutely love and feel like we can't live without these days. And um, the hundred billion on their balance sheet doesn't help, doesn't hurt either. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they, some they have options if they would like to take them. <laughs> a little flexibility there. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I like I say, I still recommend buying Apple, uh, but I more than anything recommend, as Jarrett already mentioned, why don't you rebalance your portfolio mm-hmm. and let's yeah. get some exposure to some of the things that have not been quite so uh, robust yeah. lately. Excessive. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we got a dog of the week. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. First things first, I'm going to say all the words inside my head. I'm fired up and tired of the way that things have been. Oh, 
This is the dog. The dog of the week. All right, dog of the week this week is uh, actually I've got a couple of interesting stories. They're independent, but I'm going to make them one. So uh, as we have seen, leisure businesses have struggled significantly, and these are not normal leisure businesses, um, but they definitely have been impacted negatively from COVID-19. Sure. And uh, the reason that they're they're unique is because they have come up with a, a uh, interesting way to generate revenue, not their main business, but there is a circus in Germany, in Krone, the Krohn Circus, who has decided that they can generate revenue while everything's closed down and they can't draw a crowd otherwise by selling jars of lion poop. Was that right? Lion poop. I didn't realize there was a demand for that kind of thing. Well, you have not thought deep <laughs> enough, Jerry. <laughs> Apparently. The, the reason that you need lion poop to put on your garden, not only for fertilization, but it scares away animals. Just gener- mm, in general? I, well, that's what they yeah. tell me. That's <laughs> what I read. Uh, so, I mean, if there's a lion in the yard, you think your dog's going to be as comfortable and stay out there and <laughs> you call him and he doesn't show back up? Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. That, that would. I guess it keeps the deer away that's, from that's eating what your garden. Saying. Yeah, they say that it'll it'll keep rodents and uh, basically they're saying that it'll keep everything away. But uh, could you it'll imagine? Keep me away. <laughs> yeah, well... Anyway, so if you don't like that story, uh, there's another <laughs> one, an aquarium in North Carolina, the North Carolina, North, boy, that's easy for me to say, North <laughs> Carolina Aquarium in the Pine Knoll Shores has decided that uh, since everybody's gone and they aren't getting very many donations at the moment, they decided to clean out a wishing well on the property from all the change that's been thrown in there over the last 14 years, they got 100 gallons of change out of the wishing well. Wow. <laughs> I guess they're going to use it to feed the animals. Did they say how much it is? Uh, they they haven't counted the money yet. But, you know, oh, okay. I've I've been noticing there's a lot of stores around that have signs up saying that um, there's a chain shortage in the United States right yeah, now because the mints too. have been closed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this helps out in more ways than one. So, uh, mm. you know, they're, they're being good citizens, providing change. Uh, but at the same time, they're buying some fish food with it, I guess. And that's, by the way, what uh, the Crone Circus said that they were going to do with the proceeds from the lion poop that they're selling for gardening. Um, ah. The animals still need for the animals. Yeah, they're going. They still need to be fed. So uh, there you go. I mean, a couple of uh, real creative ways that you can generate. That's revenue. true. Now, Jared, I know. You do, you do I, you I see do. the twinkle in your eye. <laughs> you being the the, the yeah. most fertile man on earth are uh, probably thinking of bottling your sweat now, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> Selling it to we'll families. Whatever I can do. If there's <laughs> if there's a demand for it, yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out for sure. There you go. Well, I mean, well, I know you're going to be disappointed, Troy, but I have not read either one of those stories. Uh, that know. is very disappointing. Jennifer, you almost <laughs> always surprise me yeah. by having read my dog of the week before we get Snuck here. a couple by I, there. I try to make That's it impressive. kind of a secret and spring it on the the, the crew, my, my mm-hmm. co-hosts, and uh, Jennifer snags me more <laughs> often than any other person. 
So uh, I even stumped Jennifer today. I, yeah. I must have been on the off, or I, have, I must have not been reading the obscure news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I swear, I think you have an app that must just turn it up. But, uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah. kind of a fun part of my preparation every week that I mm-hmm. get to go out. And, uh, you know, when time's passed, I've had the interns. They'll provide me with five or six stories, and I pick one. Uh, lately, I've been kind of on my own. Um, I only have a single intern at the moment, and I uh, have to work. Yeah. Believe that or not? Imagine that. Yeah, that's uh, that's well, that's stuff. at least fun work. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's it's fun siphoning through the stories, and some of the ones that I don't read in my mind are just as funny as the ones that I present. <laughs> but uh, no, there's no shortage of uh, interesting news like that these days, man. I'm sure as you type that stuff in, you get. Just yeah, yeah, incredible I mean, amount of results. Yeah, most of the time there's an alligator on the loose almost every week. There was even one found in Utah. There's almost Utah. always a, an, an alligator on the loose, and this week uh, it's usually an alligator and a python. But this week there was a monitor lizard that got loose from somebody's you know cage, and and it was roaming the neighborhood. Yeah. And he was having to make sure that the neighbors knew that there's a lizard on the loose. Uh, please call me before you go grab the hoe, I guess, is probably the, <laughs> the point of that. But uh, anyway, so enough fun for the moment. Uh, we do have a situation that we want to talk about, and believe it or not, we are a financial show, so why in the world not do some of that? There you go. Um, we got a, a, a person who is uh, Murray, and they're divorced, 55 years old, Um Murray's suffered some health issues when he was uh, 49, uh, which forced him to retire early. Um, At the time, he was uh, set up a substantially equal periodic payment plan for his uh, his IRA, and uh, that's something that the IRS allows, and maybe we can go through and uh, let folks know exactly what that is, but uh, it allows you to withdraw your your uh, money from your retirement accounts early as long as you have those substantially equal payments. And there's right. a few other rules around it. It has to be over a period of five years or mm-hmm. uh, until you're 59 and a half, which is the normal age for withdrawal from IRAs and uh, 401ks. Sure. And um, in, in whichever one is longer is actually the rule, right? Yes, exactly. It's the longer right. of the two. So uh, what's happening now is Murray is trying to see if he can adjust the payments mm-hmm. just because his situation's changed. His health has improved slightly, uh, thinks he might be able to work part-time, and, um, uh, you know, he'd like to modify it to uh, just the withdrawal calculation so he doesn't use the money up faster than, you know, his, right. his life expectancy, which is always, I mean, there's a morbid uh, portion of financial planning. We don't know how long we're going to live, but we want to mm-hmm. make sure that we don't outlive our money. Right. And uh, that's kind of where Murray is. And uh, like I say, he's hoping to work part-time until he can claim full Social Security benefits, which mm-hmm. uh, won't kick in until he's, what, after 60, right? Absolutely, yeah. Well, and you you hit on a key point there. You know, it's when you're looking at longevity of assets and, and trying to make sure your money is going to last you, one of the, the most helpful things you can do is allow that tax-deferred money that's in the 401s, the IRAs, and you know those types of accounts to grow in that manner for as long as possible. That's one of the main reasons you put it in that type of account in the first place. And so these situations involving 72T plans or, or, or strategies are ones that are very circumstantial because it does kind of depend on what is the age of the client, considering that you know what somebody retiring at 52 may have to 
you know, maintain those withdrawals for at least seven years. You know, as you said, there's a minimum of five right. at least. But if they're younger, they're going to have to continue to draw more out. And so there's this element of, okay, if you're doing this strategy, well, then, number one, you're, you're eating into an account that is growing tax-deferred, you know, and, and is going to start depleting a lot quicker, especially since you're, you're withdrawing it so early on. And so it can be somewhat dangerous to, to do in certain instances because of the fact that you may end up spending a lot more of those tax-deferred dollars early on than you really should because that could have a meaningful impact. If you look at a financial plan that, that maybe assumes that and then one in which you don't do the 72T and potentially, you know, let's say you've got after-tax assets to, to get you to age 59 at least so that, or 59 and a half so that you don't have to pay the penalty. Well, you can extend the life of those assets a lot farther. These things can potentially, uh, I've I've come across a couple that really did put people in kind of a a sticky situation where it changed the outcome of the plan if if we assume that they try to utilize a strategy like this simply because they would be pulling from those tax-deferred accounts so early on. But if you let the plan assume that that account continues to grow tax-deferred over time, then it has a really meaningful impact in the long run just because, again, those assets are growing tax-deferred. But on the flip side, there are instances where this can make a lot of sense for someone that, let's say, retires without any after-tax money, does need access to funds in order just to to live off of, and their only option is going to be from a tax-deferred account. This is a consideration that would help you avoid potentially incurring a penalty when, you know, you, you're retired and you you would otherwise incur it if it weren't for a 72T payment plan. And so in Murray's case, he does have uh, the option to potentially modify it. There are some rules around, you know, how it can be modified, to what extent it can be modified. And then, you know, depending on the situation, are there going to be tax implications or potentially penalties associated with that? And so, you know, I think we can talk a little bit more about that in our next segment. But, you know, again, the point I wanted to make here is that these are very, very circumstantial. You cannot look at a 72T strategy and say, this is this is good across the board for anyone. It is going to be very uh, dependent upon that person's age and, you know, whether or not they've got the after-tax assets, sure. things of that nature. So, Yeah, it would be interesting to see just when these strategies make sense, and mm-hmm. maybe we can talk about that when we come back. Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, sounds great. Uh, stick around. You're listening to Money Talks, and we'll come back with some answers to those financial questions. Economy we've ever had. And then one day you have to close it down in order to defeat this enemy. When, when things, things go, wrong, go wrong, knowledge is his power. This is Money Talks. We're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with none other than Jarrett McKenzie, the man from Paulding. Paulding County. There you go. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> I didn't go through all the normal uh, rigmarole in the the initial, but uh, Jared is yeah. a, a certified wealth strategist and a, has the CFP certificate. He's That's a right. certificate. The board would be proud uh, of you, Troy. Yeah, I'm sure. And Jennifer Thomas is with us on the line as well, and uh, she too is a CFP certificate. That Over. is true. There you go. So uh, financial planners... 
uh, by trade. Jennifer actually is our uh, the manager of our planning and implementation department at Hensler Financial. Jarrett's a uh, uh, what are you, the a associates. senior, senior yep. associate? Yeah, yes, there sir. you go. Uh, and if you have financial questions, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. The way it works, you'll call in, get our recorded message uh, at the beep. You'll leave your recording and uh, make sure to include your question. We'll play it on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, if you'd rather talk to a human being, you can do so at 770-429-9166. Uh, ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn. They will patch you through to her. Uh, she'll jot down your question and make sure that we get it. Um, if you don't want to do either of those, you can email us at drgene@hensler.com, spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, and if you don't want to do any of those, you can actually go to our website and do a little bit of homework on your own. We have uh, compiled loads and loads of information onto our website uh, covering tax advice, um, financial planning advice, maybe even a, a stock item or two. Um, there's some economic information. We have lots of opinion pieces, but uh, you can go to Hensler.com and uh, load up as much as you wanted um you know if it's up to my kids I, th I think the first time i was ever on the radio they listened to me on the air uh, they oh, yeah. were they were like five or six at the time and they <laughs> said uh, i said well what'd you think boring <laughs> i don't think so yeah what is this but, radio thing yeah, that you're talking there about you go. my kids could probably put themselves to sleep mm -hmm. just you know reading some of the stuff we put out but hey <laughs> i'm sure you listeners are not like that um well, uh, before the break, we were talking about a situation wherein Murray, who is uh, 55, uh, began taking equal, substantially equal payments from his IRA <clears throat> due to uh, uh, some health concerns, and now Murray is wanting to see if he can make changes to that. Uh, we, we wanted to go over a few reasons why a strategy like this might actually work, but uh, in Murray's case, he really didn't seem to have any other choice, had no um, uh, taxable accounts, so right. basically he was left with this IRA, he wanted to get to the money, and since the age that you can do that legally without penalty is normally 59 and a half, he uh, enacted this rule that the IRS actually allows mm -hmm. to uh, let you take those payments. Now, the rules around it, you got to take those equally uh, substantially equal payments over mm -hmm. a five-year span or until you're 59 and a half, whichever is longer. Correct. So, um, Jennifer, I think you had some commentary as to why we might do this. And, uh, Jarrett, I'll, I'll let both of you just have at it. Sure. Sure. Um, one of the things that I, you know, mentioned, while it is possible that you are allowed a one-time change, um, which he could do uh, to the required minimum distribution. The One of my concerns with that is that once you change it that one time to the required minimum distribution, you cannot change it again. So I don't know what his particular health situation was before, but if there's a chance that that could come back and then he might not be able to continue the part-time job and he would need more from his IRA before he turned 70 and I mean before he turned 59 and a half then 
it might be a case where he might want to continue pulling the the amount that he's pulling now. Um, and then if he's not using it, he can certainly save it and, you know, pack it away so that it's there when he does need it. Or once he quits, um, once he turns 59 and a half, then he can stop taking the distributions completely if he has uh, saved up enough where he can use that money instead. All right. So um, it, it's still not... You would still say maybe he ought to rethink before he goes and makes a major change because uh, it's, it says his health has improved, but it doesn't really make it clear as to whether or sure. not he's right. uh, you know, fully recovered from whatever ailment that he was dealing mm-hmm. with. Well, I think if you're Murray going into the situation before you really make a decision as to whether or not you know this is going to be the best course of action, putting that into a financial plan and, and seeing how that may affect the, the longevity of your assets otherwise or, you know, the, the outcome of the plan, assuming that, you know, he has another option. Maybe he doesn't. You know, in this case, we don't know exactly how much he's got in taxable assets. But generally speaking, you would want to incorporate that, you know, first so that you can avoid taking from your IRA earlier than you really have to or need to. Uh, but assuming that that's not available, then, you know, again, there's some question as to, okay, if this is appropriate, the 72T in general, you know, these substantially equal periodic payments we're talking about, then to what extent does it make sense? Because there's a lot of other variables to consider. You know, Jennifer's mentioned a couple, whether it be Social Security uh, or potentially earning some additional income that maybe was unexpected. If he did this at, say, 50, which is the, the next year for him, uh, you know, and then in, in a few years later, his health improves and he's able to get another job. Well, he might be stuck taking a bunch of money out of his out of his IRA that he doesn't need any longer because of the fact that he's now got more income you just and you can't and really know he that. still has to pay tax on right that. yeah and, and not only that but you're paying it much much sooner than you have to right. because you don't even have to start taking it from your ira until 72 now yeah you have until age 72 that just changed last year right? yeah exactly With, mm-hmm. so you know 59 and a half that he's going to be able to stop it and avoid penalty if he if he needs to but at the end of the day again if you look at a situation where someone begins taking money from an IRA and paying those tax dollars early, say, in their 50s, and then, you know, run another scenario with a financial plan that assumes, you know, maybe they've got another alternative and they don't do the 72, and therefore those same dollars can grow until age 72, the in, the the outcome of the plan oftentimes looks a lot different. It's it's a meaningful difference, but sometimes you don't really have an option. And that's really sure. when these things come into play. And then, you know, Jennifer and I in, in building the, the plans for the clients that do need to consider them are really looking at, okay, again, as I said in the last segment, the circumstances of the situation itself, because you really have to kind of know the specifics for that client and, you know, it can be appropriate for one client and, and another client that may have similar situations or circumstances may not look as, as appropriate for them. And so it really does come down to what what are the circumstances for this client and can we build a financial plan around that to see, you know, because that's really ultimately what the financial plan is, is, in my opinion, the most valuable tool for is decision making. Sure. You know, because we can kind of see what might the outcome of, of a decision like this look like if you made it before you actually do. It's kind of like we tell clients coming in looking at retirement. Some people come in after they've just retired. Some come in a few years beforehand. And when we have some time to run a plan and say, well, if we if you do retire in a few years, what does that look like? You know, if they do need to make a change, 
they can do it based on what we see in the plan. Whereas somebody that you know has either made a decision already to take a 72T uh, or incorporate that strategy, or maybe they've already retired. Well, you know, you, you want to look at these things from a planning perspective before you you make the decision. So I think that you know, if, if any of you out there are considering this this situation like Murray is. You know, it would be smart to work with your financial advisor, your CPA, you know, someone who can help you sort of build that plan and give you some insight or perspective on what it may look like if you were to proceed in this manner. Yeah, and, uh, and along, J- Jared, along one, with that, go ahead. The, the penalty, if you make a change and you've made the, and then you change it again or you do something that's incorrect based on the Rule 72T under the IRS, they not it's not a 10% penalty on your withdrawals from that point forward they go back to the point where you started that's a great point it's retroactive yeah so yeah. you need to make sure that's why i would work with a professional to make sure that you understand all the rules yeah exactly so uh if you have a situation like this or want to talk about it and talk it through or get somebody to check your plan you can contact us um 770 770- Four two nine nine one six six Hensler Financial. You can ask for Jarrett, or you can ask for Jennifer, and uh, they can always uh, help you. Always willing to help. And uh, you know, there's some folks that actually have tried to use this for a, um, you know, just to retire early, and it might make sense. But uh, a couple of points you made, Jarrett. Number one, more options are better than fewer options. Right. And the way that you do that is plan ahead. I mm-hmm. mean, if you if you save, one of the things you guys talk about all the time is uh, making sure that uh, you have more a diversity of financial vehicles that mm-hmm. you can save through. So yep. taxable is always, uh, you know, looked at as maybe worse, but sometimes it can actually be much yeah. better. Better to Absolutely. have it than not. All right, uh, you're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. Dialed into money talks. Money talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Jennifer Thomas, and uh, we uh, have been talking about a few financial subjects. And uh, if you have one that you'd like for us to cover on the air, we'd love to hear from you. You can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. You'll get our recording uh, at the beep. You'll give us yours and uh, include the question that you have. We'll play it on the air and answer right behind it. If you prefer to call and uh, talk to a human being, you can do that at 770-429-9166. And, oh, by the way, that's the way that you can call and talk to Jarrett or Jennifer if you have financial planning questions. If you have tax questions, we have people for that. But uh, again, that's 770-429-9166. If you'd rather email us, you can do that at drgene.hensler.com, D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com is how that's spelled. Uh, Or you can go to our website if you're a do-it-yourselfer and just want to have a good source of information uh, that, again, is Hensler.com, spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Um, we have a question that we'd like to cover 
uh, from Mary Kate from Sandy Springs. Uh, the question is, I've been a stay-at-home mom for five years to a four-year-old and a two-year-old. I'm 32, and I don't see a clear deadline for when I can return to work. My husband makes 100000 a year and is contributing to his 401k at 3% with a 3% match. My question is, how do I secure a financial future for myself? Obviously, I need to go back to work, but I'm, uh, but am I too late in the game to be able to enjoy retirement years? Uh, any help is appreciated. Sounds like Mary Kate is worried <laughs> she's going to have to live for, I mean, work forever. Yeah, well, I like where your head's at, Mary Kate, but I'd say you're still quite young, and there's plenty of time to uh, play some catch up if you if you feel that's necessary. But no, I, I don't think that it's too late in the game whatsoever. In fact, I would say in relation to most 32 year olds, you guys are probably in pretty good shape. Uh, especially your husband certainly earns a respectable salary. You're already saving, and there are things that you can do to, uh, you know, start increasing that or incorporating some savings of your own uh, through spousal contributions to an IRA or Roth IRA, uh, given the the income that you guys do have. Even though you don't work, uh, the law does provide for a spousal provision uh, so that spouses who don't work yet do have a spouse that does earn income can allocate some of that income to a retirement account such as an IRA or Roth IRA uh, and, and still get the benefits of doing so. Uh, so if, if you're looking for maybe a, a way to start saving some initially for retirement, assuming you guys can uh, carve out some of that income and, and put it into uh, a plan uh, for yourself, then I would certainly say that'd be a good place to start uh, with the spousal contribution to an IRA. Uh, and that is assuming that your husband's getting the full match. It looks like he is. Uh, he's contributing 3% with a 3% match, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't redirect any monies to another retirement plan until you guys are getting the free money offered through his plan, uh, which, you know, again, if the match is higher than 3%, you may want to consider putting more there first. Uh, because essentially you guys are both saving to that 401k. He, the, he, you are the beneficiary until you sign off saying that you're not. Uh, the ERISA laws do require that uh, you provide signature for uh, an account like that if you're not going to be the beneficiary. But so the spouse is the default, right? E- exactly. For employer-sponsored plans like that, it's not the case for an IRA, but any money that's going there, if, if there's any concerns about that money being in one person's name, when it comes to spouses, uh, there's not as much of a concern when they are in the employer-sponsored accounts because of those ERISA laws that, that would require uh, one the, the non-working spouse's signature in order for the beneficiary to change. Yeah, it sounds like Mary Kate might have been listening last week when we talked about a husband and wife that uh, had different ideas about what to do in retirement. But, uh, you know, it's it's not uncommon, I assume, that... Uh, Jarrett and Jennifer, I'll let you guys answer this, but uh, to sit across the table from a couple who uh, both want to have a little bit of their own assets in their own name. Oh, yeah. I'd say it's... Uh, you know, and that's that's certainly true. I mean, I think that that is the case, but I think if you are married and your intention is to stay married, then, you know, working the plan together and making sure that the plan works for you. And, you know, I just want to say I've been there at that age with, you know, small children and you, it's really hard to see what it's going to be like later on. You Once your children, I mean, I would assume that your husband's salary is going to continue to grow through the years. You know, if you go back to work, then all of a sudden you have that extra income where you can start saving even more at that point. I would take a look, you know, $100,000 and only saving personally $3,000 a year is not a significant amount of savings. So if 
together y'all can take a look at your expenses and where the money's going and see if there's a way to save more because the younger you are, the better you're off you're going to be, you know, if, if you start saving then. Um, the compounding effect of the money growing from age 32 to 65 is a lot different than 50 to 65. Um, but, you know, what tends to happen is a lot of times people save what they can, their kids grow up, they get out of college, and then all of a sudden they have the windfall years where they can all of a sudden start putting a, a lot more away. That's very true. Yeah, so the the basic question is, are you too old to be saving? <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, gosh, not no. ever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she is, you are not too old at 32 to begin saving well, at all. You know, the government actually gives us provisions to save even more after we're 50 years old. So, yeah, and and even you know with a, a deferral on the taxes. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's if if you don't have savings, no matter who you are or how old you are, if you know you're going to need some, the best time to start is absolutely right now. That's right. I mean, do, do it what now. You can. Yeah. So, um, you know, oh, to be 32 again. <laughs> That was yes. good, that was a good twenty years ago for me. <laughs> uh, all right, so Plus. yeah, <laughs> uh, we got another question here. Mark from Woodstock says, "I'm looking to buy either Scott's Miracle Grow or Mosaic Company. The dividends are similar, uh, so was looking to get your opinion. Uh, it's pretty uh, pretty good time to be thinking about Scott's Miracle Grow when tomatoes are." Perfectly in season, right? <laughs> uh, a couple of fertilizer companies. Mosaic is is similarly, um, you know, they provide phosphates and potash uh, in North America and internationally. So, uh, two companies that uh, that are really all about the fertilizer, uh, which I think I've been accused of myself at times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've got uh, Scott's Miracle Grow. The symbol is SMG. Some of the fundamentals that we look at. Uh, over the past five years, earnings have grown at 15.51%. Um, <clears throat> if you're looking at dividends, uh, the dividend yield on Scott's Miracle grows about 1.6, and it is covered quite well, 3.6 times uh, from earnings and, and uh, cash flow from the company's operations. Um, you know, if, if uh, you're looking for one that's, more attractive than the other, and you're only looking at dividend, well, the dividend in um, Mosaic is actually less at 1.4%, but the thing that is absolutely of most integral importance is the coverage. It's only covered 0.5 times, meaning that earnings are not covering Mosaic's dividend. Uh, That means that it's going to be dangerous. Unsustainable. Unsustainable, yeah. Uh, and if you look at uh, long-term growth and earnings uh, from Mosaic, now it looks a lot more attractive at 38.35%. So if you want to bet on the future of a business, then maybe Mosaic's the one, but I would not recommend that. You look at earnings per share at negative 3.67 over the past 12 months. Uh, you know, there's not really much positive about uh, Mosaic. We've got negative Return on assets at 1.4% negative. Uh, return on equity negative 2.8%. Um, if it is just a toss-up between the two, go with Scott's Miracle Grow. 
get you some. Yeah, I was going to say that seems, seems nice like an meters. interesting play. As many people as I know that have started gardens throughout all this yeah. pandemic. Yeah, it's uh, weird the things you think about when you're <laughs> forced to the bench. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's just purely speculative on my part. I mean, you're looking at kind of what's going on out there. You know, I know the numbers are, tell one story, but you know that is I have just seen more than I would have thought people actually doing that, and for good reason. You know, so yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, now, when you look at Mosaic, one one last final shot, if I, if you will, it's better covered by analysts. And the analysts, uh, you know, 18 of the 21 analysts that cover the company call it a buy. But, really? like I said, there's lots of underlying fundamental reasons why you might want to think that one through. Again, on top of the fact that it's lost about 15% per year since 2010. Mm. That's wow. that's quite a hurdle. It's not what you want. All right. Uh, what do you think? Market up or down? It's got to keep going up at this that's point. Jarrett with an up. I'll say up. You know me. Jennifer. Up. There we go. Three ups. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.